to Spreading the Good Stuff, a podcast for regional women who want to thrive in their work, wellness, family and community. We share stories of triumph, challenge, growth and change in business and in life and offer helpful insights and advice to empower you to live your best life, however that looks for you. Welcome back to Spreading the Good Stuff. We're up to episode number 34. And today we are continuing our conversation around sleep. And in the last episode, for those who tuned in, we um, we chatted a lot about our own experiences with sleep. But like many topic discussions, often we come away with more questions than answers. So we felt the need to, to draw on an expert in this space. And we're very, very blessed today to have um, a very special guest, Dr. Moira Junger. Welcome, Dr. Moira. Hello, Christy. Thanks for having me on your wonderful podcast. Thank you. Now, Dr. Moira is actually um, a board member of the Sleep Health Foundation, which is Australia's leading advocate for healthy sleep. And she also has a podcast, which is very exciting, um, called Sleep Talk, um, which is part of the Sleep Hub. So essentially, um, Moira, I might get you to talk a little bit about um, the foundation. And I was having a little bit of a look today. And essentially, um, your mantra is improving lives through sleep. Is that a good example? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's um, that's our mantra, and we've been around as a board for at least ten years now. Yeah, I've been on the board for uh, three, uh, and we're all volunteers. Um, most of us are from the sleep field, like I'm a psychologist in sleep. Some of the rest of them are, you know, medical doctors or other, you know, academics, etc. Just with a real passion for sleep, and we're not uh, funded, you know, for any government funding, etc. But but part of our, so what we do is lots of advocacy, lots of the things like this. We actually just give up our time to do public speaking or podcasts, or you know, we're on the radio. We do a lot of ABC stuff, which is great. great. We partner really, really well with ABC. So people would think I'm. Um, some kind of media person, but I'm not at all. Well, I'm you definitely have a great voice, though, Maura. That's one thing I noticed <laughs> yeah. when I, I tuned yeah. into your podcast earlier. I thought, what a great voice for a podcast. Yeah. So we're doubly blessed. Oh, so, yeah. So, so just from experience and from passion for sleep, I, and back in the day when um, I used to go to sleep conferences back in the 1990s, and people, people would literally laugh, fall over laughing, saying, Oh, so what do you do at sleep conference? You all sit in your jammies and, and sleep. And you all have a little sleep. And so it was quite a funny specialty to have. But this century, like especially the, um, the last 10 years, people can't stop talking about sleep and they're all of a sudden interested in it and the, and the science behind it. So the Sleep House Foundation advocates for that, like for, for sleep and for screening for sleep disorders and from, from promoting health. Yep. People, all the stuff you were talking about with your lovely mates, Leonie and Katrina, like I, I listened into your podcast and you... You, you sat around and spoke about sleep in a really sensitive and uh, intelligent way about, you know, respecting sleep, but Thank also you. not not getting too carried away with it. So, yeah, so not getting too ritualised and too rigid and, and, you know, which I think someone alluded to that um, in the podcast. You get, people can get really, um, you know, just a bit too desensitised, a bit too hyper-aroused and, and too... So, debil- so debilitated by their poor sleep and yep. they get really worried. So that was one of the um, the things I was going to just talk about is that in your – because in your listenership, you would have two types of people. You'd have listeners who are good sleepers yep. and listeners who aren't so good sleepers. But within that group that aren't so good, you'd have uh, – some of them it's because of their – 
I don't know, it's their babies or it's yep. their, just watching too many late light movies. It's yep. just their lifestyle that they've got. Yep. But others, the other half, the other 50% of the not so good sleepers, it's actually, they already do love sleep and they, they know they want and they try really hard and they've got adequate opportunity, but they can't get it. Yep. And, they're, and, they're, and that's for various reasons. Often it's just their racing mind yep. or, or just a, a poor, like they're not in good health, they've got lots of pain or lots of other conditions. Yep. And so that person needs to know, from a, needs to go to the, you know, uh, realise that they can't, just got to stop trying too hard to sleep. Yep. Actually just the, all the lovely tips that we talk about with wellbeing, they're all really great. But for the person who's already developed a bit of sleep-specific anxiety or yep. they're really uptight about sleep, like not refusing to ever go to parties or refusing yeah. to ever watch a late-night movie, they need to come and just, you know, get checked out, have a chat with their a trusted healthcare professional, get yep. checked out. Go to see a, a sleep, even people in your, you know, the rural, regional areas you, you sort of catering to. Yep. Although I think you're going to go, you're going to go global. Oh, thank <laughs> <But> you. <yeah. laughs> I don't know where, whether we have time to go global, but thank you for your confidence. But I think that, yeah, but you think, you know, your listeners need to know that even if they are, oh, there's no sleep expert in a Duke, for instance, or I don't yep. know if there is, but to know that uh, with, with telehealth these days, like you can... Skype into someone in Sydney or Melbourne or anywhere. Like Absolutely, we've got, got lots and lots of sleep professionals. Around yeah, we are lucky. Chat, and I think chat, just yeah. um, I think something you really touched on there, which was something we sort of realised at the end of our conversation, that we were sort of, I suppose, making jokes about our own sleep habits and kind of, you know, being lighthearted, but it is a really serious um, issue for some people. So we didn't want to mm. sort of say, oh, well, we all sleep well and, you know, on your way, good on you. Like we really, yeah, we understand. Yeah. Um, and maybe, um, and we were just talking before we started recording that, you know, maybe we're doing things that we're not aware of, but particularly when it comes to screens and having our phones as, as alarms beside our bed, mm. we might not think mm. that's, and, um, having an impact but um you know perhaps it is so there's yeah. always things that we can be reminded about and um and in in the last um in, in your last podcast I was I was having a quick listen about these things you've been mentioning but sleep hygiene was the topic and I'm really in, intrigued about what sleep hygiene is yeah yeah well it's nothing to do with hygiene <laughs> today as in you know cleanliness but sleep hygiene is a term that's been around well, since 1977, but wow. as you might have heard in the podcast, it's yep. been um, uh, people have referred to it even in the 1800s or even before, but didn't call it sleep hygiene. But just these healthy sleep tips, handy tips and yep. things around sleep. So the stuff that people would have Googled and know about, but didn't know necessarily might have been called sleep hygiene. But, yep. you know, tips around monitoring your alcohol, monitoring your caffeine, monitoring your daylight, being as regular as possible with your sleep-wake time. Yep. Um, all that sort of stuff. Like just usually there's like you know a list of five or ten things yep. under um, sleep hygiene. And as you're hearing in the podcast, um, it's a bit of a bane of my life in a way that people who present to say me as a psychologist, they've already done all that. They know about the sleep hygiene. They've they've, they've listed all that. Doctor Google, Professor Google, told them everything, <laughs> and, but and it hasn't made a big yeah. um, indent in yep. people who have got this quite severe. Mm-hmm. Thinking of that, sort of um, really not feeling really comfortable anymore, like getting a bit upset, a bit, um, preoccupied and a bit yep. obsessed with their sleep. Yep. And those lists just serve to be a little bit problematic because you'll, you'll do all that. You'll have your chamomile tea at this time and you'll have your hot bath and you'll monitor your caffeine and you won't go to late parties, and, but it hasn't done anything. Yeah. So people, the listeners who are in that bracket, 
uh, and it's often you know often it is women, but, but men as well for sure. Yeah, and it can be around menopause. I was going to bring that up around. Yeah, that, I so feel like that's a whole girls. that's a whole other conversation, isn't it? For another day, really. Like yes. that, I just yes. feel like there's we've um we've actually brought this up a couple of times off air, thinking we need to have a conversation around menopause and reproductive health and how it affects our physical mm. and um health and, and mental health. So that's a really important one, isn't it? Yes, yeah, do that. Which is certainly um. We'll put a link in your show notes to an Great. episode we had on on sleep and menopause Great. for your for your listeners who are that bit older than you because you guys you're a little bit I can tell you a little bit not younger than me yet. with you <laughs> you're primary school age kids and we're getting there people having babies yeah. you're in that pre, you're in your reproductive health <laughs> cycle yeah. whereas menopause often it's the first time that women have had quite extreme you know a bit more yes. difficulty with their sleep yeah so it's worth talking about yeah another time for sure yes definitely and with yeah. with the actual sleep hygiene too one of my questions um Maury, was uh, like obviously there's some obvious things that we might all know about but are there some sort of maybe um more sort of you know unknown um i suppose benefits of of having sleep like you know that there's obvious ones obviously like everyone knows when you've not had sleep how how it, how it can affect you but are there sort yeah. of some um not that we want to be doom and gloom like this yeah. is spreading the good stuff but it's always good yeah. to um to kind of go well okay are you aware that it can have this impact on you um if you yeah. are not addressing it as an issue in your life for sure well certainly people underestimate that their, their risk of um accidents that's yes. for sure like you that's something that's not talked about hard enough but yeah. people you know not even shift workers and people you know people who are tired for a number of reasons yeah you you have such an increase like i forget, I forget what it is like headfold or something increased risk of accidents either at work or on the road right yeah. or in the house so that's a really important one is that People, you know, it's a lesser known, I mean, yep. obvious to some people, but people think much more about, oh, I just feel so tired yep. and all those, you know. But, I'll, but like one of your um, friends was saying, I think it was um, Leone who was, her family, she was on the farm and yep. it was like, you sleep when you're dead or sleep yep. because of <laughs> Exactly. <this. laughs> well, that, that, um, that, that's around a lot and you're certainly alive and well. But another, another lesser known one um, that people don't think about or don't, haven't even heard about is that weight management your yeah. susceptibility right. to actually to it, it's very very hard to manage your weight if you're not getting adequate sleep okay. because there's a there's a disruption when you've got sleep deprivation there's a disruption to the hormones called ghrelin and leptin that control our appetite to make wow. you to notice to notice when you're hungry or when you're full yep and so those things are really all and you know that when you're tired you, you actually eat. just Yep. You feel like eating a lot more. Yeah, you do. You eat at the wrong time. You choose the wrong stuff. Bad food, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Very true. So that's another lesson I want is around weight management. And a lot of people who are, you know, getting up at half past five to, 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 to walk, which is admirable, but sometimes occasionally people are really, they're, they're shooting themselves and foot a little bit. They probably need to get a little bit more sleep at some end of the day. Yes. And and also to then attend to the physical fitness side of the, yep. the weight loss. Yeah. So you can't. So people forget that you. And we, we talk about at the Sleep Health Foundation. We now, you know, we're trying to do all this public education for free. Basically, we're trying to get that government funding to do some some campaigns. Like yep. to have. Yeah. We haven't. We've seen the seat the seatbelt ads and the drink driving ads. For sure. We haven't seen the, the sleep health ads, which which hope which will come in the coming years with the, the work we're doing. Right. But we, you know, we want to we want to make sure um, that those messages yeah, are getting out. And obviously, having enough sleep is um, 
can affect us physically but mentally as well and is it a bit of a catch-22 you were talking before about anxiety around stress so obviously if you're not addressing any sort of um, mental health issues you're having it's kind of like um, cause and effect isn't it a little bit chicken and egg yeah there is a real chicken and egg scenario with sleep and it's it's known as a bi-directional relationship like so insomnia if you think about a graph, it's three, you know, three three points, and they've got insomnia and anxiety and depression. Yeah, right. And they've all they've all got double arrows between each other and across. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a chicken and egg. So definitely, uh, until about nineteen ninety six, like say when I was at uni and things like that, in the old the olden days, we were always taught that um, anyone who's got a sleep problem, whether sleeping too much or sleeping too little, is just a manifestation of their mental health condition. Like right. They've, they've, they've got it. But nowadays, we know the research from after that, the later 90s and earlier, you know, in the 2000s, the research is very clear that sleep deprivation can be the cause, can be the first onset of either an episode of anxiety or depression. So that's a lesser known thing too, that people have to realise there's much with sleep deprivation or constant, you know, inadequate sleep, there's an increased susceptibility to anxiety and depression. And particularly if you've got that in the family, you know, there's a there's a susceptibility to that anyway, you can probably keep it at bay a lot more if you really do protect or prioritise with your your sleep, try and get get more sleep. Uh, And also, you know, the pillars pillars of health, I was going to say before with sleep, you know, we talk about sleep and nutrition and physical exercise as being the three pillars, the main three pillars of health. And we need to make sure that people know that you can't just be doing fantastic Gym workouts and exactly. eating, you know, really, yeah. really lightly. If you're not, if you're not getting enough sleep as well, do you sometimes because feel, been, um, yeah. more sorry to interrupt, that like sleep is yeah. like the poor cousin of those pillars? Do you think sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It has, it has been the poor cousin. It, it certainly doesn't get the media poor. attention that kind of no, gyms and um, health doesn't. and nutrition kind of get, does it? No, all the all the public health campaigns. Yes. But we are. But I think so. I think there's a bit of there's a bit of a rise, a bit of a wave at the moment of, of interest and, and recognition. Great, because the Research is so clear that the yep. and Australia are world leaders. We've got such excellent centres in well, all the states, really. I mean, big centres from WA, South Australia, um, Victoria, and New South Wales, Queensland, uh, particularly. They have really strong sleep disorders research centres and clinical settings Great. as well. So we're really, really well, well. Um, we're sort of punching above our weight Great. on the world with the world stage of sleep stuff. So yeah, it's really exciting. And is that a sign of the times, like that, because people are um, struggling more with it, or it's just becoming because of the research? Um, people are seeing the, I suppose, the um, legitimacy of actually addressing it as a health issue. Yeah, I think so. I think it's again probably chicken and egg. I think because the research is getting a bit more funding. Yes. Obviously, the probably you know, health campaigns haven't got the funding, but the research is getting really good funding. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, I think that's now. Uh, dictating it to the rest of the world, saying, "Hey, wow, this is really good quality research, and this looks. This is we're going to sit up and listen now. So this, it will inform the policy direction. It will inform more funding great. At, at a public public health promotion level. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. So I had a couple of, um, I suppose, really important questions that um, I'd love to address. The first one is like, how much is enough? I mean, and does it vary for age yeah. and gender yeah. and all that sort of stuff? Like, it's that's something yeah. we really would love um, to know. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, it's a really good one. <laughs> no, I was thinking, yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard one. But it's, it's, it's certainly very hard for people to know exactly how much sleep they need um, from just reading. Like you can't, if you, you hear that, you know, adults need seven to eight, or it, I think 
well, I know for Sleep Health Foundation, for instance, on our website, all our literature, all our fact sheets, we say that adults need seven to nine hours sleep. Yeah, right. But within that, it's really the, our, our counterparts in the USA, the National Sleep Foundation, um, who are really well funded and they're, you know, they're, they're juggernauts of, of public health. Yep. Um, they say on their latest stuff, they have these graphs talking about anywhere for adults, anywhere between six to ten hours is considered in a normal range. Okay. But that, but the average is still around, you know, seven to eight. So it's a bit, people need to, I think your listeners, and you know, we need to just reflect on how we feel on seven, how we feel on eight, how we yep. feel on nine, etc. And not so much only too much emphasis on the hours, but yep. a lot of emphasis on the quality. Quality, yeah. Because I was and how, yeah, yeah. thinking like, you know, how many people would get nine? Like, I mean, I feel like nine is like, whoa, that's a lot, isn't yeah. it? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, a lot of people, yeah, I think certainly um, if I had my way, my ideal life would be that I'm in bed by 9.30 yep. and I actually get to sleep until 7. That would be my absolute – and that is – that's a lot. That's nine and a half hours or something. Yeah, that is awesome. And I never get that. I never, ever, ever. Like, I haven't had that. Like, I just don't get that. And it's, so it's lifestyle related too. And, of course. You know, work and children and, yep. and life. Um, and then also of a certain age where – you have a bit of sleep disruption, like, you know, uh, there's things that are outside of your, yeah, there's, yeah, there's babies or there's, there's, there's other things that are waking you up or you, people have just got a lot of their mind. And yeah. I know even me, the, the so-called sleep expert, who knows a lot about sleep and sleep for decades now, and, and I am a really good sleeper, but gee, I don't sleep well when I'm worried. Yeah, or of course. If I'm, if I'm stressed or grieving or yeah. what, whatever's going on, I, you know, I don't have, there's no magic silver bullet for either for, for sort of extreme situations or people who are, who are doing shift work and they've got a lot of pressure in their life or, yeah. or, or not doing shift work but they've got financial pressure or there's, there's relationship breakdown or it's just really hard to sleep. So it's an, it's an adaptive thing from years ago where, of course, it doesn't make sense to sleep really well if you're under threat. Yeah, because of the course. predator will come and, come yeah. and eat you. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> so we do, that flight and fight. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's right. Yeah, so we need to sort of be, unfortunately, we need to remain a little vigilant. The body picks up that we've got adrenaline or yep. we're a bit stressed. And so it thinks it's doing us a favour, keeping us awake. But yes. it's not, you know, so we've got to trick our brains into not being stressed, which is the. So, yeah, so the, to answer the question about this, definitely sleep need changes over the time. In your show notes, we'll put a little link to a graph that's yep. from birth to old age. Yes. Um, with the different sleep needs. And you'll see children and babies need that exact of sleep. Yes. And it varies so much. Some of them sleep, you know, nearly the whole 24-hour period, like 18 hours at a Yes, before. exactly. But some, some only sleep 12 in the, in the Mum and dad are pulling their hair out. Yes. But, you know. And it changes, but, I think, so with the seasons. Thing. And as, like, I've got a son who's nearly 16 and he now thinks because he's a teenager, he doesn't need to go to sleep. Yeah. Like, you know, when I <laughs> want him to go to sleep because he goes, yeah. I can still get up and get ready for school. I'm like, well, actually, that's not what I'm saying. But, you know, so we have to adapt to our, our kids are getting a bit older now and they yeah. want to, they want more awake time. And I, but I just want to go to bed at yeah. 9.30. <laughs> I know. And he probably just can't. Like, body clock changes. Like, he I know. probably actually can't. Yeah. He doesn't feel sleepy till much later. Yeah. He does need less. He probably needs, you know, say eight or nine rather yes. than when he was in primary school, he needed maybe 11 or 12. Exactly. Yes. So, so it's kind of been aware it, of those yes. seasons with ourselves yes. and also the, yes. the people around us. And, and just on that, like um, we talked briefly before about just 
what the challenges are um, and, and how to adapt to those. And is it just sort of, if you, if you are sort of at the stage where you're having, um, you've got a newborn baby or you've got a teenager who, you know, is going out at night, that's a whole another level of not getting sleep. Even oh, simple no. things like daylight saving, like when you go through patches or stressful periods where you aren't sleeping well, like are there sort of go-to things that we should go back to? What are What would be those top three yeah. basics? Well, exactly. I think, I think the first one is just to, to always – prioritize and respect sleep yeah like and right and and just have that as a that's the first one and, and sometimes knowing just roll with it knowing that this is going to be a bad week or this is going yep. to be a bad couple of days or you know just really trying to roll with it really having that acceptance and i know that you probably have talked about mindfulness quite a lot but yeah mindfulness is a really important tool for in people's toolkits for sleeping well long term yeah it's just accepting being very present with whatever's going on and not catastrophizing that it's 3 a.m and you're awake just noticing well i'm awake and i don't know what time it is and i'll I'll, I'll accept that so it takes a lot of practice becoming to to that but but that's over time you know learning to to do that but the first thing is to keep always set the respect and priority for sleep yeah another the very important thing to do particularly when it's a difficult time and you you know, so it's having little babies or if sleep is under pressure, that to have to, to always, always have a wind down period. Even yeah. if you think, even if you've got these deadlines and you're working late at night doing something on your computer and, and you're exhausted and you think, I'm going to go straight from the, the computer to bed, yeah. don't always insist. Just stay up a bit later, just even if it's half an hour only. Yeah. But it's an unwind period, like the babies, you know, they have that routine of the, 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 the bath and the dinner and the, um, the drink, yep. you know, breastfeed or daughter, whatever they have, and then and then bed yep. and a story. We still need that. Like adults forget that we need those rituals and yeah, those wind down things too. Yeah, that makes so even if you get sense. home late from a from a boozy wedding, you come home <laughs> at you know two in the morning. We it's probably better just sit up a bit. Still have a one. Still have a wind down period. Still try to do that. Like it's yep. a really essential essential thing for talking about. Just you know, to say three things to do, and the final three thing I think one of the the hot tip is as much as possible have regularity. Not too ritualized that you're just you know it's not not you're inflexible, but the regularity of just more or less seven days a week, trying to roughly go to bed around that same time and roughly get up around the same time. Yeah. So even if you had the really late night, like the the big you know the yep. big family wedding or something, you still try to get up early is a really good idea yep. to keep your routines, routines, routines. No matter how much sleep you've had, it's a really good thing. Mostly, well, because of the social rhythms and that that, that comes for, but it's really around the light dark cycle yes, yeah. and the light therapy that you give yourself. Because if we expose ourselves to light dark at regular intervals, at sort of set intervals, we really will benefit a lot. Our sleep wake health will be much healthier for it. Yeah. And we can talk about that just, but the, the brief thing really about that is that melatonin, the sleep hormone, yep. is secreted when it's dark. You know, it comes out at, at night, and yep. that's why we don't want the screens, and you know, we don't want the blue light, the yes, bright light. We want to have a, you know, because we want our melatonin at night when it's dark. But the main thing that we want in the morning, and especially your, you know, some of you are farmers, and yeah. you've got this beautiful lifestyle out on the, on the land, that you do light as soon as possible from when you wake up. The light is super important because it suppresses your melatonin. Yeah, right. And it, it switches, it switches it all off. That goes to zero. And you build your sleep-wake need or your sleep pressure from that time. So say it's switched off at 6 a.m. because the light is in your eyes. You have this 
and you say you're an eight-hour sleeper, you've got 16 hours then from that moment where your sleep pressure builds, your sleep need builds. Yeah. So to earn the, to earn the right to be awake enough to earn the right to get your eight hours. Yeah, wow, that's so we, interesting. That's why, yeah, that's really nice. That's why you don't really get that much benefit from sleeping through till 12. Yes, of after course. After the big late night. You're better off getting up and, and you know, and doing it that way and just getting back on track the next day. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think it's that whole you know, as you said, like respecting it, even if you do have, you know, a late night and we have things happening, which we all do, it's actually just going back to that yeah, prioritising and respecting yeah. the sleep. Yeah. 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 Mm. And it's life. Like it's normal to have it is. poor yeah. sleep every now and then or late nights every now and then and yeah. not get through. It's a bit like healthy food. I mean, of course, we all know if healthy food pyramid, you want to have mostly your fresh fruit and veggies and all your really good stuff. But? But, but every now and then, yeah. every now and then, to yeah. have, um, you know, moderate amounts of yep. sugary stuff or moderate amounts of alcohol or something that not to be seen that it's absolutely, you know, disastrous yep. to, to roll with that and, and make it, you know, minimise minimize it for sure. Yep. So, you know, but, yeah, just having said, sensible, old-fashioned approach to things is what yep. we need. <laughs> I just had a couple of final little things I wanted to ask. Yeah. But when I was looking at... Um, at the Sleep Talk um, podcast, I noticed there was so many topics on there around food and, you know, like eating before bed and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. I just wanted to ask a couple of little little, um, little questions before we finish up, Moira. The first one is yeah. um, obviously phones in rooms and um, and your advice around that and also um, yeah. food. Like how, how important is yeah. food? Mm. I'll start with the food one first because Great. you'll see on the podcast, don't worry, don't listen to them because it's <laughs> – the bottom line for those ones is that we haven't got a stack of evidence yet. Okay. There's not right. there's not a stack of evidence. The general principles are that yeah, food is super important, but we just need more research and need yeah. to be a bit more definitive okay. in that area. Yeah. But um but certainly not being too full and not being too hungry, those obvious ones. Yeah. Um and making sure that yeah, so you do um it's, you know, you don't want to eat too closely to going to bed, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, although if it's, it's, it's a tiny little snack, that's fine. Like a little, I know that my parents used to have, you know, that, that little supper, supper kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Have a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just before bed, a little cup of something and a little half a bit of toast or something. That's just fine. It's not, we're not talking about that. Don't, don't yeah. eliminate that. But people who are having massive meals and having a main meal at like 11 o'clock at night because it's got home late from work and that kind of extreme is like, no, that's so bad to sleep, but to, to, you know, yep. to eat that closely to it. So um, so food, yeah, food is super important. The main thing is just fresh, 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 fresh. So there's a lot of preservatives in our food. If we think yep. the package, obviously there's going to be some numbers on them. Yep. So to avoid as much as possible that, to, to go back to, you know, what we would have had much more, uh, all the organic stuff yep. is shown to be much, much better for sleep. There's a lot of stimulation um, from food that yep. you know all the wrong way. So it's these sort of, you know, what's it called, um, MSG, etc. Yes, all those certain, certain preservatives that are that are not not great for our sleep. Yep. So just being very mindful of that. But the phones in rooms, I love that you were talking about that, and mm. that I think a lot of you just you know, had the your phone docked out in the lounge room or in the, even the ensuite. Definitely, definitely, it's very sound advice. It's so, so important. I, thought, I, think, I think everyone listening to this can, the horse, the horse is bolted to some extent, but we can bring it back. Yes, I know. We can, we can coax it back in and, and teach our children. Absolutely, the whole like thing, like yeah, definitely. The other day I noticed she liked something at 9.30 at night. And I'm like, mm, that's yes, interesting. She's yes. not meant to have her phone. Never. I know, it's great. Our kids <laughs> so get caught great. out like that all the time. It's so funny because they think bad. we're not going to see it, but we actually do. <laughs> yeah, so it's really important to have those 
educate, you know, not punitive, but education. Of now. course. It's just, it's not only the light of the phone, it's just the stimulation of it and um, the addiction that adults, we talk about kids with addiction, adults are worse. Oh, exactly. Oh, and I'm not, pretty much everyone's addicted. Absolutely. We had a whole conversation around this a couple of months back and we we just talked about kids and tech and and ourselves and we we were like we had way too many um questions and not enough answers and we did um we got an expert in to talk about it. But we all realised too that like we need to lead the way. And also with the phones, obviously um no phones in in rooms, but what about all these apps on on watches like tracking sleep and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff? Because I find them a bit like I mean, Katrina was saying her her husband doesn't trust it and I find people get obsessed with those as well yeah that's exactly i had a little note there actually from what i was listening to katrina because i was doing tick 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 for the medication <laughs> and the no screens and the breathing <laughs> and then i had here um be wary of monitoring it yeah, because uh, i would wear it i'm cautious 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 yes my friend david who i do the um podcast with we talk about this sometimes i'm on you know monitoring devices yeah um it's yeah. The thing is, they're not bad. That's no. for sure. And probably at, at a population level, the good thing is at least people are Talking. starting to think about their sleep yep. and you know, and, and yeah, and, and prioritizing it. And but people need to be aware they are definitely inaccurate yeah. at this stage. The commercially available ones are thought to be not strong enough to, for any of us to make clinical decisions on. Oh, right. So you certainly should. So don't don't so take it with a grain of salt. Yep. But a lot of the time, and um, they're just yeah, they can be inaccurate. Yeah. Um, and also, your point exactly is that people become too obsessed then. It, becomes, yep. it, it hooks into this preoccupation I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So, these are a lot of the time, in fact, I've seen three or four people already today, in my, this is my lunch break, um, that I have said, can you please stop the app? Just, yep. just humour me, just for, two, just for the next two weeks till I see you again. Yeah. Please stop doing that app. And in the old days, I've been around, as you know, it used to be the pen and paper printout sleep diary. Yes. And it's the same kind of thing. People might come into my rooms with manila folder, like really heavy manila folders with like three or six months of oh, sleep diaries. Wow. That they've been, and so I politely accept it and then gently say, look, we've got to, like, we've got to stop doing that because that's part of it. You're becoming obsessed. too obsessed mm. and too preoccupied with yep. your sleep. So similarly, those apps now—it's the same—it's the same thing. It's yep. the pen and paper uh, in electronic form. Yeah. Become too obsessed with the numbers and too much too obsessed with the monitoring, and that unfortunately can hook into just too much arousal yes. and too much concern, and too, and then the whole adrenaline. People get a bit nervous almost when they're going to and sleep. <laughs> the, yeah, and the sleep's not as good. The quality's not as good, and. So, yeah, trying to just get rid of all that sort of stuff would be good. And it seems to be a bit, like, a bit confusing, I know, with um, my husband had it on his um, kind of um, Fitbit watch or whatever when he first got it, and I think he was more concerned with how much sleep he was getting than how much exercise he was doing, and I was like, (laughs) I think that's kind of not the point. But, again, as you said, it's good to be kind of alerted to it. And that's probably something, the the final thing I I really wanted to ask um, Maura was, if, if sleep is a challenge for people, which we know it is, like at what point do you actually, um, like, source help? Yeah. Good. yeah, I think certainly not straight away. Like people need to um, understand that sometimes your sleep's just going to be bad for yep. sometimes weeks on end. Like, like I know so certainly when you have a death in the family or something, your sleep will be bad for, for yep. many weeks. Like yep. you just, it's all that, just accept that that's going to be that. But when, it, when it's more than, uh, certainly more than, if it's four weeks or, more, or certainly three months or more yep. of poor sleep most of the week, then I would just I would think yeah that's unacceptable. That's something we should start talking to 
health trusted health professional about. Yeah. Um, so looking up Sleep Health Foundation website, like our fact sheets and things. Great. Yeah. Or find a practitioner. There's like to find a find a registered practitioner because you want to not just get some old person who says, "Oh yeah, I'm a sleep expert." Yeah. You'd want someone who's actually really is. Like they're, they're on a, a directory that's either with the, the Australian Sleep Australian Sleep Association or the Sleep Health Foundation. With great. We kind of cousin organisations. Like look up look up them and look at the list of people who are on that. Wonderful. Or yep. or by your GP. Your GP would know. Yep. Who they trust to be a sleep specialist, or they themselves hopefully mm. would have. They'd be thinking, yeah, I, I feel like I'm pretty confident with my, you know, I, I can handle this sleep stuff. Or I, there's lots of online yep. um, courses and online apps to to address insomnia. Or you know, or, yeah, but certainly, certainly not everyone would need to, to go and see a health professional yep. straight away. Like I, I just have faith that things will get. We'll, we'll, we might get better yep. um, and that maybe you're just not an eight-hour sleeper but maybe you're in that those outliers that six or so is good for you yeah or maybe you feel oh, i'm super sleepy i shouldn't need nine but maybe that's normal for you nine or ten can be normal yeah. for people wow. so it's all it's just about um yeah having the conversations i think with your peers even just saying what do you reckon like with you yeah like your gal pals that yep. sit around and talk about things you yep. know just have a have a bit of a check-in with other people too yeah and i think it's always good to just remind each other we find that even doing this podcast is is great for um we would do it just in a room the three of us with no one listening because we always learn from each other and we and we remind each <laughs> yeah. other about things we might have fallen off the wagon with and it's um yeah it's really great yeah. to have that support and um and we're so grateful to access your support and your expertise oh, I, I know we've kept pleasure. you too long today oh, um, no, you're very busy I'll, I'll I could talk all day. Oh, us too. Yeah, That's so. great. I'm so glad we, we came across you. And we came across you via your podcast. So, um, and it kind of led us down the path to the, to the Sleep oh, Health great. Foundation. So, because oh, we're always okay. looking at other podcasts yeah. and, um, and yeah. as you probably are too, being in the game. And um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. We have this whole kind of community of people, you know, yeah. both locally and further afield that um, love our chats and, and love the fact that we can have people like yourself just, you know, helping, helping us all to be the best version of ourselves. So um, yeah. thank you, Moira, for helping us well, to spread you. the good stuff. And um, we'll right. put all the show notes and all the information and, and hopefully um, if people ever need you, they know where to find you. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much, Christy. My absolute pleasure. Good on you for doing your wonderful work. It's a great podcast. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for Spreading the Good Stuff. We'll be back in um, a couple of weeks to chat further about sleep. We'll be unpacking um, more of this conversation to, um, and hopefully have some, some feedback from our listeners as well. So um, bye for now. You've been listening to Spreading the Good Stuff, the podcast. Remember, you can subscribe over at iTunes. We'd love you to leave us a rating. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the handle Spreading the Good Stuff. You can find all our show notes and previous episodes at our website, thesplendidword.com.au. Thanks for listening.